Hi, welcome to the Caring Souls Podcast. This is the place to be if you are a mother, a teacher, a carer, practitioner, or someone who is helping children with disabilities. Who wants to lessen your stress? Who wants to experience or find balance in your life? And you want to find meaning in what you do. So I am Dali Tampos Oxman. I am a special education teacher, a behavior analyst, and a certified wellness coach. Okay, welcome everyone. Candice and I are here with our very special guest, Carolyn King. Hi, Carolyn. Hello. Thank, Thank you. you. For- Thank you for your time for joining us in our this conversation. So I would like to introduce Carolyn King to you guys. Um, Carolyn King is an artist and a mother of a beautiful woman with dis- disability. She is the founding director and the teaching artist at Heart to Hand Studio. She is also an artist in residence at Miles Exploratory Learning Center and a teaching artist at Tucson Medical Center for Seniors. So she is also the former director of education at Tucson Museum of Arts and Historic Block. So Carolyn King studied printmaking at San Miguel de Allende Instituto Allende GTO. Maybe, maybe Carolyn can tell us later what this GTO means in Mexico and arts and consciousness at John F. Kennedy University. So everyone, please help me welcome Carolyn King. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. So can you tell us like, what's the GTO? I'm I'm sorry, I'm just like reading the GTO. Oh, so GTO, you know, GTO is a kind of car, but actually in this case, GTO refers to Guanajuato, which is the name of the state that San Miguel de Allende is located in, in central Mexico. Oh. Oh. So you live in Mexico before. So can you tell us that journey, Carolyn? Like what takes you to Mexico? Oh dear, but let's see. Um, This is kind of a long story. I'll try to make it not so long. Um, I went to the Instituto Allende when I was 19. The Instituto Allende was a, a kind of internationally recognized art school, one of the best art schools in Latin America in its day. It's not really, doesn't really exist anymore, but um, I went for one month to do a project sent by one of my instructors at the college I was going to for undergrad. So I went for one month, but it was a life transforming experience. And basically I stayed for about 45 years. <laughs> what? You know, not sequentially and not, I mean, you know, that's kind of an exaggeration, but the point is I went for a month, I stayed for five years the first time, came back to Chicago where I was born and raised, had a culture shock, nervous breakdown, going from a small, um, nurturing, loving, artistic environment to the big bad city. The Art Institute of Chicago has this unbelievable reputation, but I have to tell you guys, it's nasty. Um, it just wasn't nice. <laughs> and so um, the point is, is that um, I may, I consider myself to be a bicultural, bi- well, I'm bilingual, bicultural um, art practitioner. And the focus of my adult life has been um, the relationship between the visual arts and healing. Mm. Wow, visual arts and healing. 
can you can you tell us more about that Carolyn? i think it's very interesting is it like a visual arts and healing sure well so, um uh, yeah the degree that i did and well actually i'm gonna go back farther than that when i was a kid i experienced some very profound trauma in my teens and the uh, trauma led me to um, explore Hatha yoga. Um, I just needed healing. I mean, this was a long time ago, guys, and um, I'm very requited at this time in history to see how much yoga has come into the mainstream as a, a profoundly you know, supportive and healing modality. But for me, basically, um, growing up in a very creative artistic home and then experiencing some very profound physical trauma, I ended up going down a path to learn Hatha yoga for my body healing and my soul, but that path ended up leading me to the visual arts. So um, I was just very aware for myself as a very young person that um, the place that yoga was taking me in my life and in my body was also serving my spirit. And my personal spirit expression is the visual arts. And so I was graced and blessed to find in my late 20s, a program called Arts and Consciousness. I remember when I saw the ad for this program, it had just started, it was brand new. Um, the words spirit and creativity were in the same ad. And I remember seeing that ad and bursting into tears and just knowing that that was gonna be my place. So I enrolled in the program and I ended up spending about nine years there. I ended up um, working as, a, as an instructor and a gallery person. and. Eventually, actually, I ended up one of the, being the core faculty person that ran the department for a, a year or two, though. But anyway, the point is, is that the relationship between visual arts and healing goes way, way back. Um, you know, in that degree program, we studied the art of um, Wasily Kandinsky from the turn of the century. But, you know, if you go back way farther than, you know, the Impressionists and Kandinsky, um, the cave people that did the very first visual artwork that we have documented in human history, they were doing arts and healing because they were calling in the animals. You know, they, all those incredible um, cave paintings in France are primarily bison and other animals. And it's been basically determined, I don't know how, but the anthropologists say that they weren't counting and tracking, they were literally performing ritual to bring the spirits of the animals to them so that they would have enough food to get through a season. And so, you know, looking at the relationship between arts and healing globally, um, every tribal culture on the planet has a shamanic tradition that involves objects. And those objects you could say are a version of visual art, but the objects, whether they be rattles or blankets or you know, the, the painted teepees or the scarification on the face or whatever. I mean, we as human beings have um, expressed and explored our spirits through the visual as well as of course, music and dance. So, you know, I kind of think of music, dance and visual as kiss and cousins. You can't really have one without the other, but um, the one, the path that, that spoke to me was the visual. Like the community, like it just reminds me, Carolyn, because when I was in the convent, I did heal. Like, what I had a thyroid problem and yoga, Hatha yoga, we have a monk in the convent. He's an ex-monk and stayed in our convent. And he taught me yoga, Hatha yoga to heal my thyroid wow. problem. And, and of course, as you said, the visual arts, because when you say the spirit guides and the spirit animals, we were taught 
And in fact, we were asked to meet our spirit animals. And I see that my spirit animal is a snake. So, mm -hmm. and I said like, no wonder every time I am experiencing problems, like I am in, in, in intersection, I don't know what to do. I am stuck or something. A snake will come out in my dream. It's either it will kill me <laughs> or cool. choke me. And then after that, when I'm, I'm out of my dream, I know what I'm going to do next. It's like, wow. uh, it's the, so that's in how I like, I meet my spirit animals to like when I was in the convent. So, um, well, and the thing is, I mean, Dolly, you know, for many years um, when I was in California, I worked um, through a program called um, Applied Studio Practice. And in essence, um, I worked as a guide with um, other students, either writers or dancers or visual artists. And we would basically take those symbols and images, it's very union, from people's um, either creative writing or from their dreams. And then we would manifest those through sculpture or you know, um, sewing or painting or whatever. And so, because a lot of times what happens is, you know, there's a very famous Jungian named, uh, I won't remember, James Hillman is his name. And his, my favorite line of his, all of his writings was, he said, um, imagery is the language of the psyche. And so when you engage images, you can basically um, bring up from your psyche unfinished stuff, or you can go into your psyche and plant things for healing. Um, you know, I mean, if you think about it, the Catholic Church, the Greek Orthodox, uh, Greek Orthodox Church, um, the Jewish synagogue, there isn't a spiritual tradition anywhere that doesn't have imagery along with it. And, you know, there's a reason for that. We want to speak to our psyches through imagery. And that's why it's very, in the healing process, it's very important that, that you draw what you see, even if it's not a perfect drawing. Well, yeah, it's not art for the gallery, it's art for your healing. <laughs> and along yeah, those lines, like you put that imagery out, outside and see what, how it looks like. In, and I said, yeah. thank you for that, Caroline, because as you talk right now, it just brings me back to my experience when my prometheus asked me to draw everything that I was like, what is this? Or, or just just express it in whatever expression that you are, because that's, that's the, the way. And um, since we're talking about arts, Karen, and I know Pandis may have some questions too, but I just like would like to in incorporate this. Since we're talking about art, um, you've been teaching art for so long, and what do you think is that? Because since we're, we're talking about carers and practitioners of special needs, what do you think is the contribution of art? How will the art contribute to the health and wellness of carers and practitioners of special needs, and to the children that they are? helping our, our special needs children? Well, um, that's uh, about three questions in one and I'm gonna address yes. the first one first. <laughs> I would say that basically along the lines of what we were just talking about, um, visual art can be a form of prayer or meditation for a caregiver or a parent, a place to kind of reconnect with one's inner being, get some guidance and some peace. You know, I mean, the bottom line is, is that when we're caring for um, whoever has challenges, whether it be elders or children, you know, you can't just give and give and give. You've got to replenish your own bucket so that you've got some place to pull from. And so I love the idea of caregivers and, and like teachers. Like for instance, this past January, I was asked by a principal at one of the elementary schools here where I live, if I would do an evening 
um, art Zoom for teachers because teachers are so stressed out. I mean, the year of doing you know classes on online for teachers was so God, it was so hard. So of course I said, of course, of course, of course. And so it was fascinating. That evening I did a you know two-hour um, guided art project. I provided all the materials for everybody, and then I step by step people through it. But the thing that was so notable to me was, you know, I've been teaching online throughout this whole year, but in this particular group of, I don't know, 12 or 15 teachers, it was like dead silent. Finally, I went, are you guys okay? Like, nobody's talking, like, wh what's happening here? And they basically said, they basically said, um, Carolyn, we talk all day long on Zoom with kids. This is just for us. We, we are so happy to be just engaging with ourselves and our materials. It choked me up. It was like, it was one of those moments where you could feel it through the Zoom that these women, it was you know, women and one man, that these women and the guy were basically nourishing themselves through the materials and the, and the guided art experience. It was very reconfirming. Wow. I mean, I guess the bottom line is, I suppose if I had my brothers, the agencies that train um, caregivers and even, you know, schools that hire aides for special needs kids, I feel like everybody needs in their toolbox a visual journal practice because it can be just putting out some colors. It can be collaging. It can be, it doesn't matter what it is. But the point is, um, for me, working with materials is a form of prayer and alignment. And I feel like you can align with your own spirit by messing around with materials. And it's not like it's, you're going to the gallery. Nobody has to see it. Nobody, you don't have to sell it. It can be just for you, you know? I love that story. It's so powerful, you know, it's so, it's so deep. Like I can feel that too, but I have an apprehension because I know that I'm not an artist and I, I can't even draw a stick figure correctly. So what would you say to someone like me who, you know, needs that visual art to get deeper into myself and to connect with myself, but I'm just afraid to do it because I, I see myself as having no talent. Well, actually, thank you so much for asking that because you can imagine that from where I sit, I mean, I, the other day I was kind of looking at my life and I realized, OMG, I've been doing art with different community members for over 40 years. Oh my God, I'm so old. But anyway, so that means because I started in my 20s and I'm in my late 60s. So the thing is, is that, um, you know, Candace, that that particular question comes to me over and over and over again. And here's my answer. My answer is, there is an artist in everyone, absolutely everyone. And actually it chokes me <laughs> up because I work with special needs children. My own daughter is super special needs. Oh gosh, if I'd known we were gonna go this path, I would have brought one of her art pieces to show you. So basically what I would say is that the most important thing for you to do first is to find somewhere that you feel safe mm -hmm. and comfortable to just acquire some skills. Because the thing about being an artist is, let me ask you this. Um, do you speak Russian, Miss Candace? No, no. No. Well, why would you, girl, unless there was some reason? And so what I say to people who say to me, but I'm not an artist is, well, yeah, but do you speak, you know, whatever language comes to my mind. And then my, where I'm going with this is visual art is a language. And so why should you know how to speak it unless you've been taught, you know, or unless you've been raised in the environment? So for instance, I'll give you another little metaphor. When we're little kids, we're guided to learn how to make, um, to, to make lines. Eventually the lines become letters. After that, the letters become words. After that, the, letter, the words become sentences. And if we're 
If we're guided properly and we're given the right nourishment, sometimes the words become poetry. So the thing about visual art is, if we start at the very beginning, like we're little kids, just learning the lines, and in this case, you know, they're basic, this is, and actually Candace, this is why I still teach. I am so passionate about, you know, the fact that we all can do this, we all can do this. So, you know, find somebody, whether it's YouTube or somebody like me, that you can basically feel safe to just do the little baby steps and get some chops, get comfortable messing around with the stuff. Because the bottom line is stick figures are fabulous. Have you ever seen Keith Haring's work? I mean, my God, they're stick figures, but there's nothing wrong with stick figures is what I'm saying. And, you know, I guess, let me put it this way. I'm really bad at math. The reason I'm really bad at math is I didn't learn to speak numbers at the age that we learned to do that. And I didn't learn to speak numbers because my dad, who was basically um, trained as an engineer, um, didn't have the, the breadth of vision to understand that I needed to learn to speak numbers. So he belittled me and I believed my whole bloody life that I couldn't do math. Well, where I sit now, I realize, oh, that's nonsense. Anybody can do math like anybody can paint. Everybody has color and line and texture and imagery inside of us. We all have it, honey. So I'm going to say, join my online class, girlfriend. <laughs> there you go. Yes. I or I'm there thinking, you go, this needs to be my next membership. I need to do a, a, a basic art fun for caregivers because oh you know, it would give me nothing but pleasure to just you know drop the pebble in the pond and get the ripples to go out there. Because the bottom line is when we as adults are comfortable allowing that part of ourselves to come forward, we naturally facilitate for our kids, whether they're kids with challenges or not. I mean, I have to tell you, my daughter, who is very special needs, makes the most outrageous collages. Now I'm going to go and I have to get you one. I'll be right back. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we have to see that. That is so cool. She, it's it, Caroline sound make it art sounds like easy. <laughs> like oh wow, maybe I could, oh my goodness. Oh my wow. So this piece That's amazing. This piece was made. I'm sorry, I can't get it straight. This piece was made by my profoundly intellectually disabled daughter who also has mild cerebral palsy on one side. So I'm telling you, girl, if Ani can do this, you can too. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. It's beautiful. And so the thing is, is that for me, I mean, having birthed my special needs daughter and, you know, my daughter came into my life after I'd already been teaching art for like, I don't know, 18 years or something. And so is that right? Let's see, 28. Yeah, well, 10, 15. So the point is, is that um, after my daughter was born, um, eventually seven years later, we moved to the States and I got a job um, as the teaching artist at um, a school that had the very first autism program in our city. So I live in Tucson, Arizona, and that program was founded, you know, 35 years ago. Well, I taught there for like 18 years. And so, um, I, I felt like I was placed by God in this school to develop a program and a way for kids with autism and hearing impairment, there were a bunch of kids with hearing impairment, to be able to access their creative spirit. I mean, to me, creative spirit is a birthright. It aligns us with God, you know? God, God created all, everything, and we get to feel what creativity is when we play with art materials. So I developed all sorts of different ways of working with materials, including with my own kid, to allow spirit to speak through people with disabilities. And it's like, I'm telling you, 
the most amazing things come through my kid and all the students that I've worked with. So it's just been confirmation that there is this deep place within that is aligned with spirit and we can access it. Anyway. Wow. That, that gave me chills. I felt that in my heart, like the spirit speaks through the, it's just, that's amazing because a lot of times, especially with children with severe disability, uh, people who don't work with them think that these kids have no voice. They don't have any chance. They don't have any hope. And for you to talk about them creating, creating is just, it's, it gets, it's, it's in my heart right now. I'm just, you know, getting a little well, bit. Because. I know I'm get the Kleenex out girl me too because <laughs> so uh three years ago my daughter um went to live with a family I, that was a little experiment that I'll kind of talk about later but when my daughter left home to w live with the family to work on her independence um I took a job as a caregiver for um a young woman she was a bit older than my daughter when I when I got placed with this particular family um this young woman was 33 and um, she has cortical blindness. So that means she can't see anything directly. She can only see a little bit out of the side. She can't walk and she can't speak. And, you know, I thought when I got placed in this home, I thought, how am I gonna connect with her? How am I gonna experience her creative spirit? Cause I know in my core of my heart that everybody has it. And I wanna tell you, after two years, well, it didn't take that long. I worked with her for two years. I did overnights. I basically spent a night or two a week with her and, um, you know, did some weekends and stuff. But I have to tell you that, you know, creative spirit lives in that girl too. She had the most ridiculous sense of humor. She loved to dance. Now she didn't do much visual art because visual wasn't her thing, but I feel like, you know, that was me being really stretched and tested because I wasn't sure when I first, you know, heard about her, I thought, me? How will I do this? It's like being with Helen Keller. I mean, how will I know who's in there? How will I be able to access her? So anyway, the point of the matter is, is in terms of, you know, I guess what I feel like is, is that visual art for caregivers and, and parents is a way to nurture ourselves, but also open our hearts to the reality that creativity lives within our kids. It lives within everybody. There's nobody on the planet that doesn't, you know, hone into creativity because that's why we're here that's why we're here wow. so, Carolyn I'm just like curious like for us and I know we're not so I, I'm in terms of art I am not I'm, I'm trying just like giving the things but what are your suggestions for us carers or like practitioners like, like teachers where trying to teach kids art so where should we start here's what like, I would do what I would do is I would do a practice called visual journal and I'll show you what I mean. So um, um, in my town, I noticed that these that this format of a spiral journal is on sale, on sale right now at Michael's. It's, I guess this is a nine, this is a nine by 12. And you don't have to get one this big, but what I would do as a start is I would basically get a, a notebook like this that's just heavy blank paper so that you can basically do two things. There's two things that I feel like are super important. The first is start a collection and glue it into your visual journal. And what I mean by that is you can basically take a shoe box or a pizza box or you know whatever, um, a, a, a brown paper bag. And for like for a month, just collect images, collect anything that strikes your fancy. That, that means 
the the picture on the brochure from the junk mail. It means you know something in a magazine that just catches your eye. It's like a, a greeting card. It's like just make yourself a little collection, and you can do it. I'd say do it you know four to six weeks. And after four to six weeks, what I want you to do is take it all out and lay it on the floor or the bed, or if you've got a big table, lay it out so you can see what you've collected. And what's gonna happen, I can guarantee you, because I've been guiding people to do this for a zillion years, is you're gonna realize you have a theme. There are certain colors, certain images, certain textures that are gonna show up over and over and over again in your collection. That's the first step. And the reason why I call that the first step is, it's kind of like we all have a unique thumbprint. But we all have a unique sense of color and line and design too. So there's nothing like seeing it. And basically what you do is you take your stuff and like cut it up and glue it into the book, you know, just make a little stash of it. And it's kind of like, it's like your treasure trove and it came from you. And what you're doing is you're curating from the, your life around you. You can take pictures on your phone and print those. But the point is give yourself a period of time, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever, but give yourself the assignment to make a visual collection. And once you do a visual collection, the next thing you do is you start basically going into that collection to see where do you want to start? And where you want to start might be colors. What colors do you love? What colors do you love in combination? Like when I did this project the first time, I realized, OMG, I had 5 million trillion images of turquoise and red. It was like, I didn't even wear those colors. Where was that coming from? But the point is, is that if you start a collection and start, it, it, it's a way of speaking speaking to yourself with a capital S. It's like inside of you is an artist that wants to come through. So you use a visual journal as, a, as an avenue to invite that part of yourself in. And then you can start exploring materials. So for instance, if you don't have a class or somebody like me who's insanely passionate about this stuff, you can go on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and find artists that do little tutorials. Or frankly, what I would do is in your town, now that things are opening up, is find a little art center, find somebody like right now, I do one class a month through TMC for seniors, which is Tucson Medical for Seniors. I've been doing it for, I'm gonna start my sixth year. My ladies come once a month and they do something with me once a month. And I don't know how many of them do something else when I'm not around, but the point is, is that think of it as skill building. Think of it as, you know, you start with what you like. Do you like kitties? Do you like butterflies? Do you like flowers? What do you like? You know, do you like fashion? What is it that, you know, shows up in your journal? And that's where I would start. And then, you know, basically the journal will show you what, what, what do you need to play with? Do you need to play with watercolors? Do you need to play with, you know, oil pastels? Because if you, if you find that in your collection, there's a lot of black and white, you might go with pens, you know, just Sharpies, just start drawing with Sharpies. Or if you find that there's lots of color, it's like, you can just start playing with color. And frankly, I realize what's going to happen here is, Girls, we're gonna need Carolyn's videos on your, you know, your your platform because I could give you guys little ten minute things. Like for instance, there's a really cool exercise you do with cookie cutters. Oh, that would be so awesome! Yeah, well, why not? For God's sake, why not? The bottom line is, is that you know, little ten or fifteen minute squeaky things. You just need some guidance. That's all, and it doesn't have to be me. I mean, you know, as I say, there's a lot of people on YouTube doing stuff, but I like the idea of. Um, you know, little 10, 15, 20 minute videos that are specifically for caregivers to step by step yourself into a practice. Oh my goodness, that is so amazing. <laughs> because really what we're talking about here is practice, guys. I mean, you know, the more you do it, the more you discover. And now I have to dig out something else. Hold on. 
This is just so cool. I know. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I have my notebooks. I'm like, okay, I have to do this. It's just and amazing then, because you wouldn't think that finding all of these, you know, random images would actually pull out. Oh wow, that's gorgeous. Oh my god, is that oh. is that your work? No, no, no. This is one of those 20 minute projects. This isn't, I mean, you know, I made this, but I made this as a sample with a group of children on Zoom. And wow. it went so incredibly well that then I offered it to adults. I offered, I mean, I've done this particular project like three or four times. And what I want to tell you about this is, guys, there are only three colors in this project. What? Red, oh. blue, yellow, and white. So four, four colors. Actually, no, no, it's not even, no, it's watercolor. There's no white. It's three colors, red, yellow, blue. And then there's a red, black. Red, yellow, and blue. Because I see red. purple. Yes, yes. red and blue make purple. I mean, the point is, is that, and even this orangey color, orangey, there it is, is just the yellow and the red. So, I mean, the, the point is you can make the most beautiful things with the most simple materials. Girls, I made this project with a set of really funky watercolors I got at the Dollar Tree for a buck. And the reason oh, no I, way. I just want, I mean, one of the platforms I personally stand on is art does not have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be foo-foo la-la. I mean, this is pretty enough. I would frame this up. I'd give this as a present to somebody. But the point is, is that I think a lot of the fear that comes up for all of us around creativity is, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, well, but then you just need guidance to know what to do. That's all. I mean, isn't that how you learn anything? I mean, that's how you learn anything, right? That's <laughs> good. So anyway, that's, how to draw that's kind of my energetic spiel. I mean, you can tell that this is, I'm insane about this stuff. I mean, part of me wishes I could just be a little artist in the corner doing my own work, but this is, you know, zealous platform for me. I, I feel like, you know, I want, well, I made the commitment to God years ago that I would personally reach as many children in my lifetime as I could, because I was working with adults. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard an adult say, Oh, I stopped doing art, you know, somewhere between the ages of about seven and 10, because what happens developmentally, neurologically is somewhere between the ages of seven and 10, we start feeling like our work doesn't look real. And so we stop. And if you don't have a decent art teacher to get you through that little knothole, because mostly, I mean, most schools don't have that. Um, what happens is people go, oh, I'm not an artist. I mean, just like what you're saying, Kenneth. And so the bottom line is, is that I just decided after hearing that story with so many adults, everywhere I went offering classes, I heard a version of that story. Um, I just decided I got to get to kids because this is not right. <laughs> yeah. So arrest the adult. So there's no more adults who will say, I don't know, our art, I'm not right. an artist. Right. Art. I mean, think about it. All children are exposed to reading and writing. Why aren't all children exposed to the basics of color? I mean, everybody should know how to do this stuff. I mean, to me, this is like, we teach literacy. Why don't we teach visual literacy? Well, you know, don't get me started because that's a political conversation. <laughs> and I know, I said, I'm just like talking like right now because I know in some school they will try to like take art out of the equation or. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's not like, you know, they, they try to incorporate math reading and no math reading and science and since art, but I think art is a science. Well, the bottom line is, ugh, 
the, the, the years that I spent in the school district here in Tucson, what I ended up doing was what we called arts integration. So that I would go in as the teaching artist and I would talk with the um, teachers and I would say, what are your kids working on right now in science or literature or math or whatever? And we would pick one academic area and I would design art projects that would support the acquisition of the cognitive skills. There's no reason why these things have to be separate. No reason. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And in terms of our special needs kids, here's what I want to say. So, you know, when I worked with, for the decade or so with the kids in the autism program, you know, I had the huge range um, of uh, spectrum there. I had some Asperger kids that were like, you know, brilliant drawers. I mean, they could do anything you asked. And then I had some kids who were nonverbal and very hard to access. But the point is, is that what I realized is every single kid responded to something. So if a kid didn't have good eyesight or wasn't focusing on the outer world, they, they might really go with clay or they might really love color. I mean, I just kept stretching and stretching and coming up with ways that my kids could um, explore and express. And the other bottom line thing that I came to understand almost immediately was the concept in art of layering. So like for instance, this beautiful collage of my daughter's, you know, what she does is she scribbles. She does this mad, well, I'm sorry, there's a reflection. She does this mad scribble thing in the background that looks very, um, you know, very emotive, right? She uses oil pastels or she uses um, uh, watercolor pencils. In other words, she just does like, she does a background. And then when she's done with the background, I'll say, are, you know, are you ready for something else? And she'll say, yes. I'll say, are you ready for the magazine? And then it's mind boggling, my guys. She'll flip through a magazine and she'll find this is a magazine cutout. Oh my goodness. You know, at one point she did visual journal with me because all of the images that she cut out were brides or families. It was almost like she was expressing to me what was of interest and concern to her. This was five or six years ago. She was very interested in families and brides. Well, she doesn't have a daddy and I don't think she's gonna wear a white dress, but I don't know. But anyway, the point is she was super interested in that. And so it was almost as if the images that she chose, so then she can't cut. The place that I help is I help cut the, the booba out. So this thing, I cut it out. She places it, she decides where it goes. And then I'll say to her, what colors are missing? And in this case, she said, mom, it needs more red because this little guy is red. So she stamped using a, 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 a tube, she stamped these circles with, with like a toilet paper tube on the surface. I mean, the point is, you know, I mean, it was a collaboration because the guidance that I give her is, what do you, are you ready for the magazine yet? I mean, she's not doing it all by herself, but the point is, is that, you know, if imagery is the language of the psyche, even a person who is nonverbal has a psyche, you know? Of course. So, um... <laughs> oh my goodness. I just like feel right now, there's something that needs to come out from our subconscious mind that can be expressed through art. Absolutely. And the thing is, in terms of this idea of being caregivers, I feel like if we think of our clients as our partners, then the question is, what do we do to midwife the spirit through our partners? And that's how I look at art with, you know, adults or kids. I mean, at one point I was working with, um, elders in a in a memory care unit with Alzheimer's mm. I mean you know they're not really as present as they were in their earlier day but they're in there still I know they are and so you know my attitude is I'm going to come with my bag of tricks of art supplies 
and I'm going to see how can I access what's inside of them because you know we're multi-layered beings. Our cognition is only one piece, guys. And I really think of our disabled kids and you know fellow uh, country members. I mean, our world citizens as ambassadors of the soul and the psyche. They come to remind us and teach us that life is not just about cognition. You know, I mean, at least here in this country, we're so incredibly unbalanced. We think that, you know, from the neck up is what's real. And I'm like, I beg to differ. Yeah. I got years of experience to back it up. I beg to differ, you know. Our heart is very important. And if we ha don't have this, we, we will not be a balanced person. Well, and in terms of looking at, you know, when you're thinking about people who are training to be caregivers, you know, it's tricky because it's, it's kind of a, a standard thing for people to overhelp. It's like, we want to give from our hearts, we want to do for people with disabilities, but it's a different mindset to think in terms of partnering their soul. I'm here to be a partner with your soul. Somebody's got a disability, they can't use their hands, how can I partner to help and so for instance, there's this incredible machine that I don't know how to use, but it's this electronic thing you put on a, a, somebody who's paraplegic who can't use their hands at all. They can basically move their head and guide this thing to help the artist understand where they want the color and the form. It's like, that's partnering to the nth degree, guys. You know, I mean, the whole idea of we are called as parents and caregivers to partner a soul that's come in with challenges. How do we do that? And one oh, of the man. ways for me is visual art. One of the ways is music. One of the ways is, you know, tactile stuff. So, because um, for instance, I worked with, uh, we have a school for the deaf and blind here in Tucson. And at one point I was sent to the school of deaf and blind from the Tucson Museum of Art to do art with the kids there. And I was like, hmm, well, kids who are blind, obviously it's all tactile. It's gotta be, how does it feel? And, you know, it was great. We had a great time. And they made some really cool stuff, too. Okay, that is part one of our interview with Carolyn King. Yes, an amazing, amazing interview. And we will be discussing um, more with Carolyn in part two. So you're going to want to stick around and not miss that.